I think now is that rich space for people to do that deep inquiry that's necessary for the next phase of whatever it is because it's not going back to business as normal we're in a very new era now and if you're not stretching yourself to meet that you will get left behind looking after our mental health at work has never felt more important for all of us so welcome to this very special season of the adversity to advantage podcast I'm Petra Belzebor, and for this series, I'll be talking to expert CEOs, human resources, diversity, inclusion, and other leaders in their field on the very current and necessary topic of mental health within teams and in the workplace, whether that's in an office or in your home. Welcome everyone to the Adversity to Advantage podcast. I am, I mean, I'm, I always say I'm excited, but I'm, I am extremely excited about this conversation. I've known Samantha Clark for a good long while, and I'm really looking forward to, to getting your voice in on this season of the podcast, all about mental health, well-being in the workplace. Uh, now, Samantha is a happiness consultant. First of all, best job title ever. Uh, she, she's also a TEDx speaker. I was privileged to uh, be in the live audience back when that was happening for her TEDx talk. She is also an author. So she's got a book out called Love It or Leave It. Samantha, welcome to the show. Welcome. Thank you for having me. I feel very honored to be in this space with you. It's so good to have you. So we ask everyone two little starter questions just to warm us up. So off the top of your head, uh, here's the first one. Can you think of what's been the best piece of advice that you've ever gotten about your work or career? And I know you advise people on this, but I'm curious about what's the best piece of advice you've ever gotten about your career. Um, asking yourself or being open about what it is that you're lying to others about your work or Whoa. how you're feeling. I know. You've got to expand more on that. How has that impacted you? Yeah. A coach hit me with that question and said, what are you lying about that you would feel um, uncertain or upset about if people knew? And how is that guiding you to move towards or away from your dream? And I was like, whoa. 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 <laughs> um, and so, Do you yeah. remember what it highlighted for you at the time? Like, was there a thing? What was the thing? Um, I think there's definitely... I think there was an immediate trigger of like, ooh, um, calling no shots. Like she's literally going all the way in and asking me to be super vulnerable before we get going. And so I do invite my, the members of my Love It, Leave It life to go there as well. I'm like, what are you lying about when it comes to your work and with yourself? And how well, is that hindering you moving forwards? And I think we all have blind spots, no matter what stage of our career progression we're in. I think things evolve, don't they? Yeah. Uh, and I mean, that question's hitting me already because I'm, I'm, you know, on the outside, you know, our business is, is looking successful. We're growing during this time. But I also feel like there's some masks coming up of like presenting this super, you know, non-burnout person who's just figured it all out, you know. But, you know, the, the teacher often needs to learn the stuff themselves, don't they? 
Mm. And I think that's that's part of the brilliance. You know, I always remember my Buddhist teacher was saying, you know, to be a good teacher, you must remain teachable. And so if you cannot be vulnerable and open about what's not working for you as well, like you're flawed. I mean, I'm certainly on the teachability train as well as the one that's teaching. I feel like I keep learning the lessons that then uh, expand what I'm able to give to others. So yeah. there's a, a circular uh, aspect. Thanks. That was a great one. Um, final question, just as a, a sort of check-in. Uh, what did you most need to unlearn to better yourself at work? Was there anything you needed to mm -hmm. unlearn? And I know you jumped out and did your own thing. So I guess there was a lot of things that you yeah. just wanted to let go of. What do you reckon? I think knowing that um, embracing fear and change and uncertainty comes in the backpack of uh, working for yourself, right? It's kind of when you get on that journey um, in the backpack, as well as your food and your fuel and your contacts and your knowledge, you need to be okay with making space for fear and uncertainty. And it's inevitable. I mean, that's a huge one. Uh, because of course I've been on that journey as well and it's well, applicable to the world that me. we're in. So whereas, yeah. you know, you're talking about going out on your mm -hmm. own and working and that side of things is, um, you know, that intense for us. But now like many people are experiencing similar levels of uncertainty uh, and feeling fear and just yeah. trying to navigate the what ifs, thinking perhaps that their jobs were so secure um, mm -hmm. and perhaps now feeling that they weren't. Um, what do you say to that? Um, Just like the, the, the global experience about fear and uncertainty. I think if anything, it's caused us to really think about the term, um, you know, resilience, fragility, anti-fragility. And I do encourage, or I really try to push my students, my coaches, like to really think about how do I get comfortable with this anti-fragile sense? You know, when we think about Nassim Taleb, like he's obviously written that from a market context, but I do think that rather than um, just saying I'm rebounding from a situation and it's building my resilience, like actually how is it growing and shaping you differently? Each of these twists and turns are, uh, are shaking us up and maybe we needed shaking up you know maybe we needed to be woken from this ghost walk in a job that was no longer serving us or in a relationship or the way that you look at your body and your health and knowing that as I change and I am being changed by my environment I'm growing I'm learning I'm tweaking and changing and through change comes action through finding your purpose comes taking those steps and I think um, for some people, they realize actually I'd stopped walking forwards. I've just been still for ages. Well, and humans and, and the way habits work are, is pretty interesting, right? Some of us need that environmental or that tragedy, those sort of factors to kind of push us into the, the, the difficulty of, of change. Uh, we yeah. need to, to have that outside effect. So what I'm hearing you say is that there's maybe even some opportunity for people to, to wake up a little bit. Yeah, I, I do think that, you know, I, I love my message, love it or leave it. I want you to start taking a decision. And I think either we have been in maybe a child archetype for a while where we're waiting to be told or waiting to have permission to make change. And suddenly everything has been disrupted and nobody's there to give us permission or nobody's um, really there to set you free. Or maybe you've been set free reluctantly. And so now it's in your hands to say, right, what do I want for myself? How do I want to work? How do I want to show up? Who is this person I want to become that I've been shying away from? 
And I think we need to kind of lean into that more so now. And it's so terrifying for some people, even if they're pushed into it, you know, we can get some of those factors from the the change cycle, you know, like feeling uh, some grief or depression or uh, low mood or overwhelm, right? When, when we get into this place before maybe we're able to listen and hear what the, or be forced into some kind of action in order to uh, move things forward in some way. Um, so I'm curious about what is a happiness consultant? What do you advise people? Like, what are you seeing as maybe the key uh, challenges that businesses are facing with their people and their culture? And of course, we come from, from a mental health uh, aspect, but, but I know that we have so much crossover because it's about leadership and human potential and a whole host of things. What do you yeah. see are, as the key challenges in this time for employees? Yeah. So as a happiness consultant, my aim is to really empower individuals uh, to take agency in how they're living their career and whether they are a change maker um, through being a manager or a leader um, or, you know, they are making change for themselves, even within their team. I'm inviting them to design and build happier ways of working. I'm inviting companies to think about what might it look like if we put people at the heart of everything we do versus profit um, versus just making more and more widgets. And I think this year has really called for a microscopic vision on how are we working? Is this the right way? Are we hearing our people? Are we able to get beyond the mask that we all wear in the office space? And you know, alongside that, I think there's also been a stripping back of all the things that companies thought made employees happier, the glamorous office, the extended yeah. lunches. And whilst the all table that- tennis table. Yeah, sorry. Right, whilst that all does fuel the connections and those meeting points for people to spark great ideas and collaborate, what really we need to be looking at is the behaviors of individual. What is the tone that this company is setting and what kind of practice practices and processes do we have in place to make sure that the behaviors are consistent and that we're being open and we're being transparent and you know we're living in a world now where we're so stripped back we are uh you know we we could be having a a video conference call your kid is running around in the background someone's just come back from the gym and they're on the call and we're so raw now it's important for the companies to take an understanding of that and how do we weave that into the conversations we have, the way that we connect with each other in a meeting and the types of meetings we have throughout the week so that people aren't uh, burnt out. How are we investigating what potential looks like to our employees? Are we giving them the level of autonomy, meaning, challenge, freedom in their work? Um, And also the voice to speak up and feel it, it feels safe for me to be heard, especially over the summer with a change in um you know the real racial dynamics of the office as well so we're looking at belonging diversity inclusion all, all of these things are so important um when it comes to the heart and health of the business and the people i love what you're saying about things just being stripped back and where you thought you had the shiny sort of outward element that could enhance connection or even just the simple let's go to the pub as a team on a Friday night and with remote working some of that simply isn't happening. Uh, we've got to get creative when it's when it's remote and really I love that you're saying really listen to people and maybe ask them some, some new questions. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm curious if you ever get kickback about the term happiness. Like, you know, some people are just like, well, work is work. It's my paycheck and this isn't the place where I'm supposed to be happy. Like, 
why would we invest in that side of things? I don't know. Do you ever have kickback around that? It's very interesting when people are like, why, why should we pay for happiness? And I was like, well, don't you want to feel well? Don't you want to have that contentment? Don't you want to have fulfillment? And I think longer the days where we were working in factories and work was just about how much, how many widgets we could produce. You know, we're knowledge workers now. We're moving into a place where our work and life is so blurred that we are part of it and it is part of us. And for you to keep continuously extracting yourself or being in a place where you are going and it's causing endless friction in your life, endless stress, endless um, mental dis-ease, uh, this wears you down after a while. So for anyone who's just like, well, I'm just clocking in to get money, there must be something else going on around that, that you must be finding your fulfillment or leaning into your purpose elsewhere. I get it. We can do the bread and butter jobs that we you know, need to pay the bills whilst we're still studying or we're training, but everything is part of a bigger ecosystem. And so it's no longer okay just to think of people who are um, just turning up for the money and leaving. They want more, and especially the younger generation too. And I believe your book touches on, you know, just having some agency in your life, right? So if you're staying in the job or the relationship or the situation, how do you have some agency on building that up, being a change maker within that environment, as yeah. well as that concept of, you know, hey, sometimes we need a radical shift and change. Uh, what are some of the steps uh, just within your, your book for both of those avenues? For becoming a change maker or yeah. for creating agency in your life? I guess um, becoming a change maker, whether that's in work or outside of work, how can you effectively do that? Well, I, I like to ask people like, you know, some questions to really think about. Um, and, you know, one of them is like, what's really expired in your work? Like where where is the expiration date and what have you passed? And I think when people start to question, why am I working the way that I'm working? What, what have I been telling myself about what is possible for me in the way that I can work and what I can do? Getting them to explore what's hurting, what isn't working right now? And how do we understand, is it the people that I'm working with? Do I um, struggle to make great connections or am I not understanding the nuanced personality of my boss or my coworker? Is it the actual role itself? You know, is it that you would love to be in a more strategic position, but actually you find yourself just um, pen pushing and there's not enough creativity in it for you or maybe you are driven to work with people and actually your work's very siloed and you're alone or perhaps actually the industry that you're in is something that is shrinking and not growing in the way that you wanted to or perhaps you've grown tired of the products mm. that you're selling or you're the not services you're working yeah. not excited anymore and then from there the next step is to really look at what's in my toolkit because most of the time we don't do that self-reflection to sit we're always like I need something more or it isn't possible but you and I both know this from a coaching perspective the individual is whole intelligent unique they have everything within them yeah. and so it's about doing that excavation work to think about your skills your strengths your values and how you want to live life in action with those values and also your passions and then it's about making a decision what will I choose to love or leave behind in the way that I'm working to get the happiness that I desire, to get that fulfillment, to get that joy. Um, you know, is it 
putting in better rituals and practices around how I start and end my day, because actually that is bleeding into how I show up at work. Yeah. Is it more a case of thinking about the ecosystems and the relationships and the intelligence that I could be learning from the system versus saying it's somebody else's fault? Or do I actually need to move departments, uh, look for other opportunities, widen my network and maybe think about what um, lies beyond this current position? Because I think a lot of people right now are like, actually, it's better to just stay put, keep my head down, stay focused. But actually, you're just killing yourself even slower doing that uh, versus well, just the take the leap. Just take the leap. So there's an opportunity here in within COVID, within the changing times, and everyone's talking about the new normal and what that looks like to actually take a step back and and reflect, uh, and also to challenge some of our belief systems. Because I've certainly heard people say things like, "Well, I'm just grateful to have a job. Have you not seen the world? It's all like this. And what if this isn't the time to change? Like, what do you say to those people who maybe have some belief systems that are just like? well, this is the way it is. I've got to hunker down and just be grateful for the, the amount of stress or whatever that I've got because I've got a paycheck. Yeah, nothing comes from shrinking. You know, the only way that we move forward is through expansion and owning our own foibles and the negativity that we say to ourselves, but also looking at what is it that we want that just feels a little bit beyond reach, but is forcing us to grow and stretch. Because if you're not growing, you're remaining stagnant and you'll get left behind. That's just basic um, survival of the fittest, right? And I think gone are the days where we can just hunker down and get on with it. Because I've also met individuals who've been made redundant, who were A-star employees, you know, fantastic, but actually just had to go. The numbers said chop, chop, chop. And so you've got to really think like beyond just this state of, I just want to say safe, because nothing happens in this safe zone. We've got to push ourselves to question a bit more. And I'm, I never advise people to just take the leap blindly. Sure. I do think there are some steps leading up to it. But if you know deep down in your heart, you're not happy where you are and you want to be doing more, what is the first step? Is it actually doing some research into the courses? Is it connecting with some people, doing a job that you are inspired by, that ignites you, that you could say, actually, I'd love to, to, to talk to you and learn a little bit more. And it might be that three months from now, you take a step to move in a different direction, or actually you start to look at what opportunities lie in the company and then move from there. Or, you know, ask yourself, if I'm generally not happy here, is it is it me? Is there something that I need to do in changing my attitude around it? And everything else is, is fitting great, but actually I need to grow in a new way. And whether we're calling it the pandemic or the great reflection or time in solitude, I think now is that rich space for people to do that deep inquiry that's necessary for the next phase of whatever it is because it's not going back to business as normal we're in a very new era now and if you're not stretching yourself to meet that you will get left behind uh, i'm curious about the people we're talking so much about change habit change and the excitement around it and even some of the tools for how to get there but what about the people who are just frozen in fear they've never explored this reflection and other ways of doing things and they're just frozen. What do you say to them? So for me, I think there's there's a couple of things here. I think we have to take a step back and think, okay, one, um, this fearful. Is it, uh, and, and taking a moment, I think, is it fear? Is it more a case that I'm excited, but I don't know the right steps? 
Um, and from there, I think it's about writing down or going on a journey. I get people to go on a bit of a journey, especially when we're thinking about job change and think in my past from five years ago, 10 years ago, where was I exhibiting like amazing self-mastery and success? And so when you can start to see, actually, I've had past successes here or every time I've wanted to pivot and change, I've done it through being active or maybe I've been super passive and now's the time for me to be active. Or maybe I um, maybe I, I had an opportunity and I seized it. So you can start to see what your patterns are. And then I would also look at who can I look to for inspiration, for um you know, who has moved into that place, whether it's connecting with somebody on LinkedIn, doing the thing that you're looking for. So you start to see tangible proof of it actually working. And then I would look at maybe this idea of, of social persuasion. So you're persuading yourself to make a change, but also working with a coach or a mentor can ask you some more provocative questions to guide you to open up your thinking and interrogate how you can take a next step or even showcase you the steps on the ladder to take and then it's just making sure that you kind of rinse and repeat with all of those things um but i think having a good grounding of where i've achieved in the past and that's why i encourage people to do that exercise at the end of the day your achievement diary because far too often we're fearful because we're like oh my god i don't have what it takes i don't know if i can do it but actually when you look at your diary you've been successful in so many different ways so look at the tenacity and the skill that allowed you to succeed there and what can you apply to this new era or this new change i love it you don't have to do it alone either right. so if it's a bit overwhelming check out coaches uh, such as samantha uh check out micromentor.org there's free mentoring that you can access on particular topics check out the life coach directory uh for for uk coaches there's a whole host of ways that you could just reach out and have a chat and see if they're the right fit for you, the right match to help. Sometimes we just need a little nudge. Yeah. Guys, there's so many good tips here. So please do check out the book, Love It or Leave It, if you want to really delve in. Uh, I'm just curious, like pre-toolkit. So you mentioned the phrase ghost walking. So you're just in this habitual kind of, you know, you're, you're maybe not reflecting yet. How does somebody know or figure out that they're ghost walking? into just doing the same thing? Like, does something have to happen externally? Like, what have you seen? Do you know what? I think there are different ways. I think we're either um, like shot it out of it through yeah. like the pandemic yes. or something else, or other people around us get tired of hearing the little complaints or the little sentences that we drop. And they're like, well, what are you going to do about it? And we, we get confronted with, um you either take a move or you stop stop moaning about it I think suddenly people realize there's an age thing maybe a cycle we get to our mid to late 30s early 40s um and you're thinking gosh I've been doing this now for like 20 years is or is this it um and do I want more and if so what else could I be giving the world and I think sometimes we're in jobs that actually we've outgrown and it starts to feel very tight. Um, we start to feel conflicted. There's the friction and it's no longer easier just to stay on the path of ghost walking. It's actually uh, frightening to kind of keep your eyes shut. It's actually better to kind of move into that space and you feel ready. But I think that comes with time. And I think more often than not, it's some other life event that shakes us into like, oh, 
oh my god like is wakes this, us up yeah, yeah. and and what i'm also saying is physical signs or mental yeah. health signs so um raised anxiety or or physical signs of, of burnout or you you then have that health scare or something like that that makes you go shit this i only have one life so things like that 100 percent. and i think um a lot of times we're ghosts when we're ghost talking we're sitting and living with pain in our body or uh you know different areas of disease that we've learned to become accustomed with and it's only when someone's like yeah but your body's trying to tell you something and you haven't been listening. What should you, you be ignore listening? it? You ignore it. And yeah, whether it, it manifests as a mental or a physical, um, but you're no longer able just to douse it with alcohol or food or TV. It's, it's getting louder. And as Joseph Campbell says, you know, it's that, it's that phone that keeps ringing and ringing and ringing until one day you like, oh, okay, I've got to pick it up now and answer it answer the calling super good point just about the numbing out bit so turning to anything to dim the volume whether it's mindless tv watching or you know whatever excuses we have overeating the the alcohol consumption or even like negative uh, uh sort of connections so people who can who are also in a ghost walking state who we hang mm -hmm. out with so that they can reinforce that this is the way life goes and don't push yourself outside of your comfort zone right isn't yeah. it interesting how many of our closest people can sometimes be the ones going, oh, now might not be the right time. Yeah, totally. You know, I think this happens both in and outside the workplace. So you get the co-workers or the group that, you know, pre-COVID go for the cigarette break, complain about work. And there's a collective of you that are equally all unhappy. Yeah. And then when someone starts to make a change, there's a bit of friction. Like, why are you doing that? Or, you know, we're all right here. Why would you break up the group? And then... Yeah. There's the external when you're having it with the family discussions and, you know, through no fault of our own, our friends and family, mainly also, you know, I've heard this a lot with people in parental historical reasons of why they can't switch jobs. They want our safety. They want us to feel secure. And suddenly change means it's going to be unstable for them. And it's also going to be unstable for you. And they don't really know the end point. And, you know, through no fault of their own, they probably don't know the people that you need to connect with, they don't know the path. And so with all of that- It's a different world generationally as well. Yeah. And so I think, you know, sometimes as Hermina Ibarra says in her book, uh, Working Identity, it means that we do need to widen our circle, meet new people, um, have different connections who are aspiring and growing. And this is why we have mastermind groups or you, you network differently so that you're meeting people who are at a level that you want to get to, share advice, have those conversations and still be peaceful with your family. But you don't need them to help you build a business funnel or edit your CV for position in astrophysics or whatever it is, right? Hang out with people who've done it already and who've, yeah. who've, who've stepped outside the box in some way. Um, yes. There's so much to cover. I've, I feel like we've packed in so much already. Um, but I'd love, before we do a little bit of future gazing about, you know, what's this new normal even going to look like and how do we um, uh, effectively utilize it to our advantage, Mm -hmm. um, we've had Samantha on the podcast uh, months and months and months ago where we heard a little bit more of your uh, personal story, but mm -hmm. I'm curious about, so check out that episode and um, we'll, we'll put the number in the show notes, um, but I'm curious about mental health and, and all of these topics of, of happiness and well-being, how mm -hmm. have they affected you 
um, you know, what is your personal connection to this topic? And I guess during the pandemic, like what's, what's come up for you? Um, I guess for me, the personal connection started way back when I was just frustrated with my own work. I didn't feel like I was 100% honest or living my values. You know, I really valued connection and transformation and supporting people. And I just felt like I was just selling sugary cereals. And so I went on a journey of discovery and there was two steps forward, four steps back and all of that. But for me, I was like, there has to be there is something within me that wants to come out. And I know I've been here for a, a big reason, bigger than me. And I want to make change for other people. And I just couldn't feel that I was doing it in the job that I was doing it in. And so I went on that very long journey, which I think you can hear in the other episode, going through, you know, making footwear, starting to get into coaching, pitching the idea to a tech company and running with that. And to now being in this space where I'm empowering not only individuals to make uh, changes in their career, but also training the next generation of um, love it or leave it happiness consultants. And so for me, there's so many tools that I've picked up along the way in terms of coaching, in terms of um you know, the Bhutanese models of mindfulness and meditation. I'm also looking at embodiment coaching and how we make change and decisions and, and allow our bodies to be engaged in that decision. I feel like I've always been very mental. Yeah. And I think um, this pandemic has definitely taught me that sometimes we can't always make um, a lot of decisions just intellectually. And that I myself... Um, strangely enough, as someone who does have a chronic disease and is living with it in my body, I don't often always, it's only been over the past year and deeper so in the pandemic that I'm really tuning into my body. Like, what is my body telling me about this, this move or this work that I'm doing and feeling that nice alignment now um, between both? And I think um, it's inviting me to question and to ask people, yes, maybe you've made a head or decision and you're always making decisions with your head, but how do you trust your heart and your gut? How do you get into that mental space and the physical space to understand how and why everything around you is telling you you need a change so you can't ignore it anymore? Um, I have found the pandemic uh, or this time indoors as I've had to shield for quite a bit of it, yeah. that balance between loneliness and alone and, you know, understanding when I feel or have felt um, that I'm comfortable being, I'm an only child. So I do like my own com company, but there's other times where I'm like, I want to, I want to get out there and I want to do stuff. And I know you and I have had conversations about this and, yeah. Um, so, and then other times where I'm like, shit, I feel really lonely, but I'm not lonely. You know, there's people I can pick up and have that call. So it's just like, I think there's a taboo around the loneliness conversation, even wow. though, or it's coming out a little bit more now where people can talk openly because we're missing human touch. I know for me and you, it was on stages or, or connecting to an audience in a more direct way. And yeah. now there's this, this sort of distance. So I think it's a really, uh, useful point to think about alone versus loneliness. Mm. And um, both are, you know, just part of human existence. Um, but what are some of the things that you've learned uh, in order to maybe manage that during the pandemic, since you've been one of the vulnerable kind of shielding more than others? Yeah, um, touch. I didn't realize how it is, you know, definitely one of my love languages. I like to, to be tactile, I love a good hug. 
Yeah. And some of my friends are scared. They're like, oh, I don't want to make you sick. So, you know, there's they've been withdrawing a little bit. And then you know, after a while, we just gave up. We just yeah. <laughs> but it's just, um, it's that sensation. And it, it's the weird, um, I guess, for me in the pandemic as well, like really thinking about um, how I catch myself when I feel like I'm going into a dark place or my thoughts are getting a little bit, um, and not to say that I always need to be positive. Like I can sit in yeah. that space where I'm like, God, shit's really awful. Oh, sorry. Yeah, um, it's all right. We can go there on this podcast. Um, <laughs> where, you know, this really sucks and sit with that bit more, but I'm also aware of like developing other techniques when I'm just, I don't necessarily want to have a conversation with anybody about it and I don't want to talk about it. And I'm like, how do I move through this emotion and work through it? So voice noting has definitely helped. Um, I'm becoming a better journaler. I love cooking. So like the going on a sensory experience with food and things like that helps me navigate um, the ups and downs. And also just when I am ready, reaching out, you know, and, and speaking to people going on walks, being in nature, I find that super grounding um, and just leaning into my different tools. So really getting into meditation and stricter with my wind up and wind down routine. Which is hard. So many of the people I work with are just thinking, how do we do this? It feels like your workspace is in your living space. And, you know, how do I uh, effectively end my working day when for many people, they're worried that if they're not seen to be working all hours, God sends that they they could be at risk of you know fill in the blanks. It's a it's a troubling one because I do find um, especially women are suffering from this now this need for presenteeism and being seen to be working. But I also do question or invite the question around what is this over functioning for, and where are you not being productive throughout the day so that suddenly work is you know, extending or bleeding into the time when you should be switching off. Because, you know, the reality is we're not computers. Even our laptops and our phones Very need recharge. But it's true. Right? <laughs> we, we need to recharge. Exactly. You might be like, I want to go there. Yes, I do. <laughs> we need to recharge. And so I think some of this toxicity about people need to be online all the time, need to see what they're doing, is just that presenteeism which is carried over virtually which doesn't work the same way and so I think there's definitely cultural change that needs to come from the top around um, moving into a very asynchronous way of working trusting your people to deliver results um, knowing what it looks like when uh, you champion people to work at their best and and knowing that you know, Jonas or Sebastian or Sarah or whatever are going to show up at 1, 12, 4 and deliver the work that they need to. It's about the but outcomes. We're, but yeah, just get on with the outcomes. There's so much focus on what does it look like leading to the outcome. I think we need to let go of that now. And I think people also need to realise when they themselves are not stepping away from work, what is that over-functioning about? Is it because you haven't been productive throughout the day that you're not attuned with your cycles around when you work best, what work you like to do throughout the afternoon? Um, maybe also just looking from an Ayurvedic sense as well, like throughout the day when we are supposed to have our peaks and troughs of energy and the work that we do. And how do you make peace with drawing the line? What does drawing the line at the end of the day look like? So for me, 
there is a different uh, change in scents. So I'll put on different fragrances, diffuse to start this wind down period from work, making a list of what's worked, what I'm proud of, what I've achieved that day, what are the top three things I want to work on. Um, look at what loops are still open that might be causing me to kind of keep thinking overnight and, and ruminating on. And then just allowing myself to also articulate that to my team. I am off now um, yeah. and I'll reply tomorrow. So I do think that companies are going to look at, and I'm seeing it happen um, quite nicely where people are like, actually, you know, this person is working these hours. Um, we're having no meeting days. We're having um, opportunities for people to share their thoughts in like open forums around what's working, what isn't, and continuously iterating and self-organizing, self-managing. But we have to get better at our discipline as well. What do I need to work? well what is going to impact me or distract me throughout that day and how do I navigate that before I've even fallen into the trap and I guess to to kind of bring all this together what I'm hearing is that people need to be able to create space for reflection of some kind so that you you had some great questions in there that that work for you and and for many people they're like I haven't got time I haven't got time I haven't got time which is a sort of a negative belief system uh, and you're saying utilize your evenings or perhaps even your early mornings, depending what type of person you are. I would usually do this stuff in the morning to just reflect on these sorts of questions. You need to create a bit of space, both individually, but also I love what you're saying about your team. Let them self-organize, create space. I, I just, the other week, we just had uh, one team meeting that was dedicated to, to what are you most proud of uh, and what challenges are you facing? So that yeah. we could then sort of, I didn't feel like I had to come up with all the solutions for the challenges, but one of my team said, oh, I'm facing a similar challenge and what can we do? There was a sort of we aspect. Um, so you've already touched on uh, a few things about what the future of work uh, may look like. Uh, I'm curious, uh, just to go deeper into that question, uh, do you see us as, as uh, evolving into remote working being the norm? Um, flexibility, flexible hours in order to match people's sort of energy levels and it being about outcomes rather than time. What, what else do you see that could be the future of work given the times that we're in? Um, I think it's, I, I, there's a part of me that feels like remote working is great to a certain point, but I do wonder whether or not we might need some sort of office space just for connection. connection. Yeah. Um, teams to meet and brainstorm and go back to their respective places if they want to compete the work or you know for us to have a central zone where we're still um can see the unity in that but I do feel that as people's lifestyles are changing and we can see this in the kind of economic landscape as well where people are starting to move out into the country or they want more space they want to be in nature they want to move from the cities um, I think companies are going to be able to recruit amazing talent that's just not concentrated in one city space. And they're going to be able to have that neurodiversity in their teams, which is so important. And it's not just about the location and maybe the money that they were spending on these, you know, glorious offices or whatever is now put into um, better initiatives for parenting whether you're adopting or um this is your own child or yeah. whether you're a carer 
um, thinking about money that can be spent on fueling activities that you do virtually or maybe in person on the other side of COVID. Um, how are we thinking about it as in other benefits? Could it be days off that you are doing to volunteer or be in nature? Or maybe everybody has a wellness kitty. Um, we're seeing the rise of a lot more of these mental health apps and yeah. well-being apps, learning apps. So I just think there'll be more poured into that and really creating um, a great place for you to show up and be your best. Uh, whatever that environment situation or, you know, your own habitual personal traits, what is it that, about you that's going to be the best? And I think how can the company facilitate that? And whilst we might be fearful of technology, you know, stripping away and automating jobs, I think it will remove certain things that have been impacting us from stepping into our purpose and doing the work we're supposed to do. Uh, so I think, you know, uh, a nice a, what, a blended mix of AI and robots and individuals yeah. working is kind of where the workplace is going. On the key aspects uh, and all of this takes a bit of an open culture and psychological safety to truly yeah. have the conversations that will help evolve your teams and your people to match the new world of work. We've all got to evolve that's one thing that is certain um, do you have any thoughts uh, before we close? Uh, I, I always want to sneak in a few more questions, but you know, people are talking about Zoom fatigue and video conferencing, which is obviously the, the new normal as it were at the moment. Any thoughts on that? Like people are having back-to-back -back Zoom Teams meetings, uh, probably longer than they need to, probably not having autonomy to say, uh, do I have to attend that meeting? Does it have to be an hour? Can we? How do we create buffers between it? I don't know. Any thoughts on on Zoom fatigue and and the tech that we use to enable remote working? You know, I think this is all about understanding. Um, you know, are we serving the tech or is it serving us? And creating those buffer zones between meetings, or actually really rethinking the culture. Can we actually have full days with no meetings? Does this need a meeting? How do we create better practices where actually um, this isn't cause for us to be here? And if we are having these meetings, how can we lead them better so that maybe um, they could be walking meetings? Maybe you're just on your phone, but everyone is out in nature have joining oh, yeah. in on a sports mm -hmm. ball and doing it that way versus sitting in front of a screen. Uh, perhaps we are um, operating in a space where maybe one person is the note taker for the meeting and everybody else is coming, bringing their full attention and you've got to wrap it up in 25 minutes. Like that's the, the goalpost. And then some, someone else is summarizing um, versus you having to sit and watch a recording. Um, you know, can we look at... Do, a, does this need a meeting? How does everybody know that they can feel safe to say, actually, I don't need to attend this today? Yep. Or, um, you know, I feel that if I am going to attend this meeting, these are the parameters of what the meeting needs to look like. And I think managers and leaders need to get into a position of, are we just doing this meeting for presenteeism sake? Like we just want to, to see, see people. people. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Or is this actually an action step that's going to move us forwards? Is this something that we could send as a voice note, put it into Slack and then off you go? So I think there's a real question around what is this meeting for? What's the agenda? Um, can we stack the meetings so that people, you know, know actually Tuesdays and Wednesday mornings is meeting time. The rest is deep work zone. 
and kind of like what Cal Newport talks about is allowing us to get into that deep work because every time we hop onto a meeting, it takes us so long to get back into doing yeah. the work. I think another thing, you know, certain companies are trialing email only hours and that is the only time where we're having meetings and the rest of the day is, is I think now we can play. We can yeah. just really be open to um, if Zoom is our last port of call, like how else do we do this? Yeah, I love it. So, so think um, creatively. I love that you bring in play because I think people are getting really serious these days and everything's very intense and very like productivity and oh my God, everyone's struggling. Why not get a bit creative and playful? And it's going to be better for our leaders as well who are leading those meetings and end up doing their work at night or on weekends to catch oh, up, right? No, I remember speaking to um, this lady and she was saying that her husband, I don't have a company, but he's just on meetings all day, every day. And then he's working through the night. And I said, but if he's the owner of the company and he's not working, he can make the, ch he has the power yeah. To, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, to actually say, I'm not actually doing any work. I'm not being, because at the end of the week, you've really got to be mindful. What have I achieved this week? Has it just been attending other people's meetings and agendas? Have I just been on a treadmill? What change are we actually making to our product, to the service, to the way that we treat our customers, uh, to the way that we treat each other? And is that solved in yet another endless meeting? So I think there is a, a big call out for people to question, is this the best way for us to operate? How could we play more? Um, and how do we invite conversation from everybody? So co-create a new way of working. It's not just a top-down strategy anymore. Which is a relief because that yeah. means you don't have to solve everything. You can actually just listen yeah. to your people, create space, and it's going to benefit you in the long run as well. Um, I want to close on a point that you made earlier around learning to listen to our body. Now, mm -hmm. I know I'm guilty of, because I've been in survival for, for, for years because of my past, you know, so it's quite an ingrained habit. Um, and everyone seems to be in a reactive survival state now, which brings us up here, doesn't it? Like react, react, think, 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 think my way out of the problem when your body is going, hello, in all sorts of ways, right? What would you say? I mean, the, this, this will seem quite simplistic, but some people literally don't know where to start. I just want to end on where can we start? when we want to begin to learn to think about our body and what information it might be giving us? I think if anything, as much as people say, oh, I don't have enough time, we're all limited on time. Time is like this finite resource, right? But I think it takes two minutes just to pause Slow and down. to question, how am I breathing? Am I, am I breathing just into my chest or can I breathe all the way down into my stomach? And how does that feel different? If I was to take maybe five minutes and just do a scan of my body, breathing in and breathing out and sending that energy and awareness to different parts of our bodies and thinking, how does my body feel? Where am I feeling any tension? What am I going to do about it? Has this tension been here for a day, a week, a month, and I've been ignoring it with painkillers or whatever? And intuitively, what is my gut telling me about how I'm working? And when I choose to listen to it, what happens? And when I don't listen to it, what happens? So it all starts with just pausing and your breath. I love and it. It's, it's so simple, but it's taking a minute, isn't it? It's taking that minute to just think rather than cram it with yet another email to answer or, you know, um, and don't get me wrong. I know that, you know, I'm not a parent, so there's, there's no kids running around for me or I don't have to think about that and the other, but you cannot serve from an empty well. 
And so even just that moment of pause and check in with your breath and think, before I make the next move, how does that feel in my body, that next move that I'm going to make or the next action that I think I should be taking? Does it feel right? Okay, great. If it doesn't, and it's a learning, like anything, practice, 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 practice. But doing a short body scan will really help you get attuned to your body and start listening before it starts screaming. Well, and this is about intuition and finding your purpose and all of that, but it is also about the prevention of disease because the sooner we can think about what's going on in our body, so many diseases are caused by the early signs of stress that build up and are ignored over time, which many of us are uh, doing at the moment. So practice, take a minute, five minutes in the morning, a couple minutes in the evening, a, a lunch break remember those um, and just try and uh, put your attention on your body and play around with it. And of course, there's so much information uh, out on YouTube, free places. Um, Dr. Joe Dispenza is a great one for for learning a little bit about the connection between stress and disease. Uh, Mm -hmm. So much there. Samantha, thank you so much for so much. I knew this wouldn't disappoint. Wisdom and insight. And guys, if you want to know more about Samantha's uh, techniques and ideas, check out her book, Love It or Leave It. And in the show notes, we'll we'll throw her website and LinkedIn as well. Thank you everyone for listening. Thank you, Samantha. Thank you for having me. As always, we've covered a lot of areas that you may feel you want to learn more about. If you would like a free well-being assessment for your company, email us at hello at petravelzebor.com. That's hello at P-E-T-R-A-V-E-L-Z-E-B-O-E-R.com. Or check out our website, petravelzebor.com.